The Fantasy Football Edition of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL Win Totals Contest Win a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Emerson Beery, with my co-host, Justin Bruni. How you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good, brother. It's Sunday night, feeling right, ready to talk some tight ends. Uh, been a long week, but, you know, always uh, nice to get uh, back to the pod, talking some fantasy football. We're about 32 days away from kickoff here. Very excited for the season to start. Already made some money on the, uh, the Hall of Fame game, so feeling good, feeling right. Sunday night, let's ride. I love it. I've had a long weekend at the bar, but I am off tomorrow, taking it easy. Long brunch shift today, but made some money. Justin, I know you're headed to the Fantasy Expo to this week. Yes, you, sir. What, yes, what, sir. What, 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 what's on the agenda? What, what's your biggest plans this weekend? I mean, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. You know, we're going to be playing uh, some some poker. There's a poker tournament. We're going to be playing some bags, some beer pong, you know, you know some good old fashioned, mm. you know, backyard games. I think me and Andrew are going to get matching tattoos for breakfast Saturday morning. Not sure if that's still on the table or not. I know uh, there are some, you know, preaching maybe some practice, some practice for the flag football tournament. You know, there's some really odd rules and regulations to their their format. So, you know, maybe, you know, a little refresher uh, would be good for us. You know, maybe some route running, you know, some get, getting some throws in. I don't believe we have a quarterback yet. There is no one that has stepped up and said, hey, they're ready to lead this team behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't believe there's any rushing plays allowed. They try to really negate like any sort of like physical contact at all. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited, you know, get ready to, you know, connect with everybody in the space, you know, tip a few back, have a good time. And then of course, you know, pitch the brand, you know, get, you know, pound the table, you know, for, for SGPN, for, for gambling, for fantasy football. So yeah, very excited to get out there and, uh, and show off our colors. I love it. Fabulous, my friend. I hope you all have a fa- good time. I know it's going to be fun, and then you'll be learning. I'm sure you'll be meeting a lot of the biggest names in the fantasy industry as well. But with that, we'll jump into it today. We're going to be talking about top 24 2023 fantasy football tight ends. This is like the truth. This is you know the hardcore episode. This is like you know the people checking into the tight end episode in August. Those are the, those are the hardcore fantasy players. And yeah, we're going to help you Indeed. talk about. The top 12 guys that'll be your starters. And then, you know, the, if you're in a two tight end league or if you're in two, tight end premium leagues to starters, otherwise maybe some bi-week fill-ins as well. With that, though, first on the list is not a big surprise. 
Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I'll let you take it away. Why is Travis no, Kelsey no, 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 no? You always, you always give me the, you always give me the first one. I'll, I'll say that he's finished as a wide receiver one in six out of his last seven seasons, and the one that he didn't, he was number two. You're wearing the KC uh, shirt, so I'm going to let you take it away. Other than that, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to say here. He hasn't shown too much signs of slowing. Well, you know, the very interesting evolution in his game is, you know, back in, you know, the early Patrick Mahomes years, especially when Patrick Mahomes was airing it out a lot more. And then, you know, this kind of correlates with Patrick Mahomes' average depth of target too. But Travis Kelsey, traditionally top 12, top 10 in average depth of target, fell, I believe, all the way to number 28 last year. Lots of dink and dunk passes, but he Mm -hmm. is very strong after the catch. You know, Travis Kelsey, a lot of the time, doesn't even run a set route. A lot a lot of the time, it's just he's so smart, he just runs to the soft spot in the zone coverage where the defenders are not, and he plants himself, turns around. Patrick Mahomes already has the ball on the way. So it's a very, it's a very interesting dynamic. They have the best play. They have the best offensive play caller in the sport, Andy Reid. I don't think there's too much to think about here. Travis Kelsey, and I think – He'll probably, I think, once again, pace the field by quite a margin. Can I ask you a question about him And before we move on to the next guy? Because I know that we have a lot to go through here. He had a career-high 110 catches last season. Do you think he can go over the top of that? Because I have the belief that he can. I mean, there's very little to no competition for touches here. Like, It's very hard for me to believe that any of these receivers who are kind of just all middling them, themselves and ADP and just value in general, I just can't really see any of them commanding a huge share of the offense. I think he can push for the 110 receptions. I don't think he'll push for his yardage record. I think that's, okay. that's I don't think they, that's part of the offense. I don't think having Travis Kelsey streak down the field for big plays is necessarily mm-hmm. going to be a big part of the offense. So, because of those reasons, I think yeah, I think he can push 110 catches. But you know, I think it'll be more like last season fall, probably more in that 12 to 1250 yard range though too. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, very excited about him this year. Like I said, there's just no competition. Like I just can't imagine. Like Sky Moore, MVS, you know, Richie James, Justin Ross, Rashi Rice. Like, I can't imagine any of these guys are going to command a huge target share. Well, you know, it'll actually probably help him the better that they are because they're they're not good enough to really take away any of his targets, but they can be bad enough to where the defenses are just going to be like, okay, we just got to take away Travis Kelsey and, and make that's true. That's true with everything else. So, hopefully, that is not the case in 2023. Before we move on to our second ranked tight end, though, I just want to give one more shout out to the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. It is the perfect time to sign up for the diehard DGENs out there. Sign up for the Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, an ad free, uncensored show highlighting the best story from decades of being DGENs. Sports Gambling Podcast has, has and always will give out their picks for free. The Patreon is a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate gambling. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon. With that, we actually have a double header here at tight end. Oh, I had one guy at two. You had one guy at two. We had the other one at three. So uh, Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson are mm-hmm. tied as our tight end two tonight. Makes you know, sense. you have you have Hawkinson first. I have Andrews mm-hmm. first. I'll let I'll, since I went sold you on Travis Kelsey. I'll let you uh, sell T.J. Hawkinson first. Yeah, I mean, he, I'm getting him right where he fell last year. He finished at 
a tight end two last season, backed by 86 catches and six uh, six receiving touchdowns. I just like the opportunity a smidge more. I think that the situation is a little bit better for Hawkinson over Andrews, and you're also just getting a better ADP for Hawkinson versus Andrews ADP. So I think those things combined, I just have Hawkinson as a slight edge over Andrews in my rankings because I'm looking at draft priority, the guy that I want to look to target. And I'm getting Hawkinson at a little bit of a cheaper ADP in a situation where I still see the Detroit Lions defense being really bad. They were top five for most points allowed per game last season. Even if they progress from that that ranking, I don't see them getting outside of the top 10 or the or bottom 10, however you look at it. So I think game flow is a big factor for me in this one as well. And then you just look around the room and and see for the Vikings, or I'm sorry, the Vikings, I said Detroit right there, but Vikings also were top five and most points allowed last season. Um, when he came over from the Lions, excuse me, you know, he was used much more heavily in the Vikings offense, right? It's a very good situation to get in on because yeah, you have Justin Jefferson there, the best receiver in the league, but now you're getting the guy who finished at tight end two last year. And I just, I like Jordan Anderson a lot. I see a lot of uh, upside for him this season, but I see Hawkinson as the two in this offense. I do believe that we're going to get kind of a split that we saw from, you know, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey's last season in 2021 in the Kansas City offense. I could easily see Hawkinson getting 130 plus targets this upcoming season, if not 140 plus playing beside Justin Jefferson. I did a, a short uh, on Jordan Addison's yard, yardage recently, his season-long yardage. He's at about 825, and there's been like more than a handful of rookie receivers that have hit that number in the past few seasons. I won't go through the whole list, but each, each one of them was able to lead their team in targets, receptions, and uh, total receiving yards. It's not as friendly of a situation, so I still see Hawkinson as the number two in an offense that's going to have to score a lot of points because similar to the Lions where he came over from last year, they were also bottom five in most points allowed last year. I like T.J. Hawkinson a lot. I like the passing offense more with the Minnesota Vikings. I just see Mm -hmm. Mark Andrews having a lot more of an open opportunity. Mm -hmm. The Baltimore Ravens are going to be passing a lot more this year when – Lamar Jackson was on last season. The first through the first five or six week last year, Mark Andrews was featured double digit targets. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Lamar Jackson, he just sort of when when the wide receivers when Rashad Bateman got hurt, the kind of passing offense fell apart. Rashad, Lamar Jackson was hurt sub, subsequently. Shortly after that, Mark Andrews had a tough season. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just when you have Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman versus Jordan Addison. And Justin Jefferson on the other side. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for Andrews. It was close yeah. for me. It was actually it was it was one of the tougher decisions I had on this list. I've gone back and forth a little bit, but Mark Andrews is the choice for me in 2023. I just see the rate. I see Lamar Jackson. He's probably going to have a career high in pass attempts, mm-hmm. and it's just more of the clear top target. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, if you're an NFL GM and you're looking at these two, like if you're you know wanting to go one direction over the other, I think Andrews is probably the answer. I think that, you know, if you're asking me who is the better tight end, I think I would probably say Mark Andrews. But again, given the ADP and, you know, you mentioned Rashad Bateman and, and Zay Flowers, but also having Odell Beckham Jr. there, having an offense that I still think is going to run the ball more than the public wants to believe. I know that Monken coming there is going to elevate the passing game. A lot of, you know, four or five wide receiver sets, a lot of sideline to sideline route running, and it should open up the field more for Andrews. I I think that the play calling and the new system should benefit him a lot. But when I'm looking at ADP, it's just tough for me to, to make that extra push for Andrews when it is that close. So that's why I favor Hawkinson just a smidge more. It's it's very close. I think we're, we're both in agreement of that. Next up, it was your tight end six, my tight end four. 
Mm-hmm. Darren Waller. Okay. You, you know, we, like I said, I don't like to project injuries. And if we're not projecting injuries, another mm-hmm. guy, player who's going to be the clear top target in, in the Daniel Jones-led offense. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones did take a step forward last year, cut out the just throwing the, the football up in the air whenever he was tackled, makes, <laughs> made some smarter decisions. Yeah. It is a little bit of a tougher schedule this year, but I trust Brian Dable to draw off some plays for Darren Waller. The training camp reports have been very positive. Darren mm-hmm. Waller, you know, they've had, I've heard that they've had debate. They've, there have been reports that Darren Waller's had to come out. So Daniel Jones has to throw the ball to someone else. That doesn't surprise me considering the state of the wide receiver corp. Isaiah uh, Hodgins and Paris Campbell are the top targets there at the moment. Jalen Hyatt, Wandale Robinson, mm-hmm. upside players, Sterling Shepard there yeah. for however long he can stay on yeah. the field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what are your thoughts on Darren Waller this season? I know you're a bit lower, but I mean, I feel like you probably say that this is a pretty close. Group I think of it's fair. Here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if I see this happen in my drafts, I'm not going like, oh, what was that? What was that, Brian? What are you doing, pal? You know, I, I don't think it's like any. And again, this at the tight end position, you can go a lot of different directions here after you get outside of these top three guys. My only pushback to Waller at this spot is I'm just a little pessimistic about. Daniel Jones progression so he threw 15 passing touchdowns last year I asked Andrew Robb my co-host on our best ball show how many he thought you know he could throw this upcoming season what would your answer be to that like how many touchdowns is his ceiling this this upcoming season Daniel Jones considering he threw 15 last year they're gonna have a harder schedule that Uh means that Daniel Jones is not gonna probably able to run the ball as much as he was. It's probably going to be him airing it out a little bit more. I could see him moving more in the range of 20 and upwards, but I, you know, that'll be his, you know, 25 is certainly, it'll be the limit probably less than that. So that's similar to what Andrew said. He said 24. So about 24 to 25. When I'm looking at some of these other options here, maybe even like a Dallas Goddard, where he's in an offense where I feel is a higher vacuum for scoring opportunities. That is where I'm kind of going back and forth between like Waller and Dallas Goddard in this situation. And I still probably lean to Goddard, despite the fact that, you know, that team has plenty of weapons, right? They've got plenty of guys that are threats on the ground. They have Devonta Smith and AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts is going to get his. I just like the opportunity that I'm getting to get more exposure to high value touches in the scoring zone, in the red zone. And that's my only concern is I think that Waller can probably finish with more total catches, but maybe a guy like Goddard could finish with more touchdowns and you're kind of balancing that out. So I I feel like I'm chasing just a little bit more upside with Goddard in that uh, Eagles offense. Going to score a lot of points, has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL right now per PFF. I think it's just a better and safer situation to buy into. But Darren Waller, also a very good opportunity. Like Again, if you're looking at like skill versus situation, I think Waller probably the more skilled and talented tight end over at Dallas Goddard because he's athletic. He kind of plays like a receiver. He has very sure hands, very fast off the line of scrimmage. I'm just you know buying the situation in favor of the player a little bit more here. So again... Tomato, tomato, I'm good going either direction there. But I do think that Waller is in line for a bevy of touches this year. Just how many of them are going to be high value with a quarterback that may not exceed 20 passing touchdowns? You know, it's really hard to always keep all these three lists straight. Looking at yours, mine, and then the consensus that I made. It was actually Dallas Goddard actually is ahead in the consensus of Darren Waller. Darren Waller's five. Dallas Goddard, number four. Correction, everybody. So. Top five, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. Those two were tied. Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller. Now we will dive into our tight end four now. Dallas Goddard. I had him as my tight end five. 
I just I see a gap a little bit here. I just don't know the upside with Dallas Goddard and with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith both playing. The Philadelphia Eagles will still remain one of the most run heavy teams in the league. They are gonna have they are mm-hmm. gonna have a more competitive schedule this year. So you could see them pass the ball more, but man, a dual threat quarterback who likes to run a lot, that's a lot. I know the Philadelphia Eagles have a great offense, but is that you know is that too many targets for Phil, Jalen Hurts to maintain, or do you, or do you still think he's going to in line for a strong season? I think he's in line for a strong season. It's just again, how are the touches going to fall? Obviously, AJ Brown is a huge field breaker. He's going to be a massive target down the field. But I feel like those weapons in AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, again, a guy who's super fast, sure hands, athletic. You know, I feel like all those talent levels rise everybody's opportunities up even higher a reason why you're targeting those running backs at friendlier ADPs, a reason why you target Jalen Hurts at his ADP, right? Like it's just going to be a high scoring offense. So if you're, you know, buying like late round targets in any high scoring offense, like, you know, say the Kansas city chiefs, you know, you're just grabbing any of those receivers that you can. I want to get Dallas Goddard at his friendly ADP because he's still coming off the board. Typically after these, these other four that we've already talked about, Kelsey Andrews, Hawkinson and Waller, I've, I've seen him fall in a lot of drafts. Definitely in best ball for sure. I'm, I'm expecting it to happen in redraft because of that fact. And I want to get that value because I'm not having to pay that surcharge, that high cost for the tight end position. And I'm getting a little bit value at other positions. And I'm that's just kind of balancing it out. So I'm, I'm very high on him this season. He's finished as a tight end one the past two years. It hasn't been top five, but he's also missed a little bit of time. And then two seasons ago, he was also splitting time with uh, Zach Ertz before the trade deadline. So that season, he finished as tight end 11. Last year, he finished at tight end 12, but he also missed some time with injury. So balancing that out, I still think that he has an opportunity to finish as a top five tight end. And it just, again, where there's a lot of volatility at the the position, I feel like he offers a safe floor. Like I feel comfortable taking him in in any, any format, whether it be premium or standard or PPR, whatever it is. Shout out to our buddy Jamie in the chat. Welcome. Thanks for joining the live stream, my friend. Before we move on to our tight end six, somebody that a young tight end that is a very polarizing player for 2023, the dynasty managers are very hopeful for. We'll just give a shout out to our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NFL season is right around the corner. And Underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down on a ton of NFL player props, and it is available in a ton of markets. Plus, plenty of opportunities to win in their daily MLB contest. And, of course, make sure to enter Best Ball Mania 4, where first place gets $3 million. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And if you wouldn't mind, if you were listening to the show at this point, if you would give a like, subscribe, rating to wherever you may be listening, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. Kyle Pitts is the tight end six in our consensus rankings. I didn't feel good about it, but I I just really hate the the Arthur Smith run offense here. Bijan Robinson, number eight overall. I think they're going to want to prove a point that drafting him eighth overall was worth it. He's already the highest paid running back in the NFL. I think they're going to be designing up a lot of plays for him. And then when they're not running the ball to Bijan Robinson, they're going to be giving probably double digit rush attempts to Tyler Algier too. So oh. it'll, it just will be, I think, tough for 
a Desmond Ritter passing attack to have multiple fantasy relevant receivers every week. I think Kyle Pitts will have his big games. He's too talented mm-hmm. not to. My favorite stat was that he was number five in in uh, air yards last year, which is the total accumulation of your targets, you know, downfield, mm-hmm. whether you caught him or not. Yeah. He was number five and missed seven games. <laughs> Marcus Mariota was just th- heaving in the ball. Yeah. Poor, poor accuracy. Kyle, poor Kyle Pitts didn't stand a chance. And then they have Kyle Pitts lining up so much on the outside, he can't take advantage of linebackers or safeties either. He's asked to, he's pretty much a wide receiver. So it's just tough. It's a really tough situation for Kyle Pitts. I think it'll be tough to know when to start him. And I think the down weeks might make it. I it's hard. I don't have anybody. He's my tight end. Uh, where do I have him here? He's my tight end seven, but mm-hmm. I'm just a little bit pessimistic. I, I, I'm pessimistic. You could say you're pessimistic about the rest of the players on this list. I feel like there's a big tear break at six. What about you? No, I, I understand the uh, the urge for caution when considering Kyle Pitts, but at the same time, this is a tight end that finished as tight end six his rookie season with just one receiving touchdown. Now, I know things are different. I think that may have been Matt Ryan's last season with the team. However, I think Desmond Ritter is far and away better than what we're going to see from or what we saw from Marcus Mariota last season. Excuse me. Uh, his processing skills are what you know drew the Falcons to him you know, in, in the third round when they'd already secured Marcus Mariota. I mean, bringing in Mariota felt like, I mean, literally the poster boy for bridge quarterback, right? Like it didn't feel like he was going to have a long leash. And I think as that last season went on, you know, we saw that it was longer than we anticipated. And then of course, Kyle Pitts got hurt. Like it's not like he had the second half of the season to really have like a strong turnaround, but he did have two receiving touchdowns for what it's worth, you know, versus his rookie season when he just had one and he finished his tight end six. And again, this is another situation where I think the talent levels around him, you know, rising up, help him in in any given situation. Um, Not a lot of people talk about Matt Collins, uh, he was the best wide receiver blocker uh, in last year per PFF, per wide receiver rating. I think that's going to matter more than people think, being able to put him on the outside as, you know, again, not someone that's going to scream down the field or create a, a lot of production on his own, but someone that can be on the field and play uh, meaningful snaps, either blocking or, you know, just basic route running to push Kyle Pitts back to the middle of the field. And then, like you said, drafting Bijan Robinson at his draft capital, he's going to have a huge role in this offense. And Drake London was one of those rookies uh, that I mentioned before that went over that 825 passing yards. He led his team in targets last season, receptions and receiving yards. So the presence of Bijan, London, Pitts, for a younger upcoming quarterback like Desmond Ritter, I feel like people should be more excited than they are, than they are. This offense ranked 15th and most points scored last season with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. You know, with Desmond Ritter learning behind him. I know, I know, I get it. It's you know, it's 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 a bit laughable. I I, I understand. But as I'm far a as like fan too. You're what? I have him in so many dynasty leagues. I hope you're right. I have him in so many dynasty leagues. Who, I'm Desmond? just thinking about all the di- I'm thinking about all my poor dynasty teams, my my 20 odd dynasty teams that have Kyle Pitts on them. Oh, Kyle Pitts. Okay, sorry. I I decided to really roll the dice with a uh, with a dynasty team. It, the roster wasn't looking great, but I had Lamar Jackson. I had Jalen Hurts, but I wound up trading Jalen Hurts for a whole mess of picks, like a whole nasty mess of picks. Like I I brought in like JSN, Jameer Gibbs to the same team. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Chase Brown. I'm probably forgetting somebody else as well in there, but I got to roll with Desmond Ritter now, you know? 
but I'm just absolutely stacked with all these other young players. So um, I'm really excited and very hopeful for this offense. That That's for certain. But I just don't think that people should be so down on Kyle Pitts when we've seen the player and the talent and the skill and the athleticism be there. I think that we just need the rest of the offense to be more efficient. And I do believe I'm a firm buyer of that narrative uh, this upcoming season. I do think this group is going to be a lot stronger. We will move on to our tight end seven. George Kittle. We had him flip-flopped here. I have George Kittle. That was another really – that was probably the toughest decision that I had with Mm -hmm. those two. But I put Kittle slightly ahead. Kittle has all the talent. You know, one of the best athletes at – you know, going way back to his college, one of the best athletes to ever grace the NFL combine at the tight end position. Mm -hmm. You know, great overall player, great blocker, does everything right, just blocks a little bit more than we want to. And is with Christian McAfee, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel in a Brock Purdy-led offense. It's just tough to see where the targets are going to come from. Similar to a lot, you know, my argument for Dallas Goddard, all the, you know, Brock Purdy just not a, going to be a prolific passer likely. 49ers have an easier schedule this season just mm-hmm. due to the fact that the NFC West is a little down too, I think. Bad. It's bad. You're looking at a lot of games, I think. You know, I was looking at the divisions they're playing too. You're looking at a lot of games where their 49ers are going to be up. What kind of role is George Kittle going to be have when the role – you know, they're going to be running a lot of Elijah Mitchell, I think. So with that, I think George Kittle, he was number two in fantasy points per game for tight end last year. However, it was, you know, I'm sure if we did a stat, it would be like closer to, to tight end 15, to, you know, tight end 12 or something than it was to Travis Kelsey. So, mm-hmm. it you know, it was somewhere around 12 or 13 points a game where, you know, Travis Kelsey was far above that. So George Kittle, I think. It'll be more of the same this season. It was nice to see the touchdown connection that him and Brock Purdy had at the end of last year, but I think he'll be wanting a lot of weeks due to the 49ers spread, at, you know, the, the way they're, they're going to spread the offense around. Right. Anything nope. there? Yeah, I mean, I think that we should all be higher on him, but the points that you just laid out are the reasons why I still prioritize drafting all these other guys that we mentioned ahead of him. So he finished as a top five tight end, Four out, of, four out of his last five seasons, but last year that touchdown dependency was massive. He had four games where he scored two touchdowns or more, and three out of four of them came in the last uh, four games of the season. Wow. And Brock Purdy was a big part of that, like that, that big part of his strong finish. So I have to believe there's something there between the two of them, but a lot of us in the fantasy community, I'm one of them, are on Brandon Ayuk taking a step forward. Like you mentioned, CMC and Debo already there, and this is a run-heavy offense already. So it's just tough for me to see him having you know, high volume. Like he, It feels like his finish at the tight end position is going to be very dependent again on those touchdowns, and it's tough for me to buy in that if both of those running backs are healthy, they're not, they're, they're not really getting their bulk share in the red zone. So that's my big concern. Uh, But like I said, I think that we should all be a lot higher on him than we are because, again, four top five finishes in the last five seasons, that's really consistent. And blocking does keep him on the field. I know that we want to see him do it less, but it keeps him playing a high amount of snaps. It's it's a tough situation. His target rate last year was number 20 among tight ends. That Uh. is the amount of routes run for the amount Uh. of targets that he got. So, yes, he was running – he ran actually – he, by the end of the season, by the end of the season, he had ran the second most amount of routes for a tight end. However, just not getting the looks, unfortunately, mm-hmm. from Jimmy and Brock Purdy. Up next, David Njoku. You know, this is another one we had. You had very close behind. We're going to be talking about the player that you had at number eight in just a moment. 
But David Njoku, my this is my big belief in Deshaun Watson bouncing back. This is a very mm-hmm. strong offense. Um, Jordan was it Jordan Ack? Who, who was the double tight end uh, that he had in the Houston Texans that he kept relevant each week? You know, we kind of uh, it was it was Atkins and who was Atkins, the other guy? Who was the other one? Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. I know what you're talking about, though. It was it was it, insane. It's uh, just it like was, when one of them missed time, you started the other one. You know, he had yeah. a special connection with the tight ends. I think D- David Njoku, of course, is far more talented than those than those players were. One of, just a freak athlete. The only guy who could compete with Saquon Barkley in a shirtless kind. Him and D- him, DK Metcalf and Saquon Barkley. You know, out there on the beach. You know, they they'd have their own a Baywatch going. But they would. They would. David Njoku, I think this is going to be a very good offense. David Njoku is going to flirt with being that second and third target every week behind Amari Cooper. And, you know, Amari Cooper is going to have his down weeks too. The, you know, the, my big, you know, David Njoku, a fantastic athlete. The, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the tight end position, we're just looking for the situation around him. There's no, you know, especially after Travis Kelsey, you know, and, and the top six guys, we're, we're fishing for situations at this point. And I think David Njoku is set up to have his best season to date. I, I I agree with you. He was set up to have his best season to date last year, but he was only playing in, I believe, about 14 games. He finished with the same amount of touchdowns uh, from the season prior with just four, and he had a career-high 58 receptions. This offense is going to be better no matter what. I'm a bigger buyer in Nick Chubb this season than I am Deshaun Watson. Uh, another situation where you have a very good offensive line, top three per PFF offensive line rankings. So they're going to run the ball a lot, and I think that's what helps Deshaun Watson the most. And I'd like this team to get in scoring tor- uh, territory Excuse me, often. Kareem Hunt's gone. You have a few more you know, pass-catching, vacated targets available. And I like Elijah Moore. I, I like him a lot. I like Cedric Tillman, some of these you know younger receivers playing behind Amari Cooper. But I think that Njoku's athleticism, his size, his speed and build – opening up those available targets in the middle of the field will benefit Watson, especially early on in the season. So he has a very safe floor as far as I'm concerned. And I think he's someone that could potentially, you know, pop up to maybe 70 catches this year, maybe gets about five receiving touchdowns and the yardage falls where it falls. But I think that volume alone can definitely potentially, you know, given the right circumstance, get him to a top five finish this year. Up next, you had one and one slightly Evan Ingram, you had him one spot ahead of David Njoku in your mm-hmm. rankings. What's your outlook on Evan Ingram this year? Another player who I, I have in a similar range. However, I have, I think, two spots lower than you just because of the fact that, yes, I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. I see this offense as being very good, but there's Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley. There's Zay Jones. Right. And there's Christian Kirk. Travis Etienne is going to get a lot of work in the rush game, too. What's your outlook on Evan Ingram this season? I think this offense is going to be super efficient. Like you had just mentioned, all the weapons that they have, Ridley, Kirk, a nice two-headed uh, running back core of Bigsby and Travis Etienne. Love what they're working with there. I just think that, that again, that situation, being that they're going to be a little bit more pass-friendly than the Browns offense, I give him that little bit of an edge over in Joku just because I, I feel like that's going to be the identity of the Browns this year is Nick Chubb. So because, I again, I think they're going to be much better than they were last season and, of course, the year prior, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Ingram to clean up and have a handful of spike weeks. I'll be honest, I do think that either one of those guys can be, you know, in that boomer bust category. You know, they could be some weeks, you know, more touchdown dependent than we than we'd like them to be because there are weapons around them. Uh, but at the same time, I just give him that little bit of an edge over in Joku because I see that offense passing the ball just a bit more. Next, tight. Tyler Higby rounds out the top 10. 
This is a player who I just see, who I see as the opposite problem of some of the guys on this list. I think he's going to get a ton of targets. Okay. He was, you know, it, it, I know Cooper Cup got double digit targets every time him, Matthew Stafford, rather it, Tyler Higby was too. This was a two man show out there. Matthew Stafford was literally only throwing the ball to these two. I think he was number right. six in target share among uh, tight ends last year, or he finished as a tight end six, one of those two. But he had a very productive year last year, and I see that continuing once again this season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a similar offense. Not a lot happening after Cooper Cup. I think Tyler Higby is going to be a necessity more than you know a luxury. You know, not not a luxury, but a necessity for this Los Angeles offense. You're you have him as a tight end one as well. What's your outlook on Tyler Higby? I, I like Tyler Higby a lot. I just see that this offense probably needs to utilize their speed assets a little bit more. I see Van Jefferson being of great value this season to the roster and to our fantasy teams. I think he's going to be an ADP steal come the end of the year. Uh, Higby, he had, what was it, four out of his first five games, 10-plus targets. I, he only had one more game like that the rest of the season, and that was in Week 16 against Denver. So definitely someone who falls into that boomer bust category. There was After that, he had, was it two, six, one target, eight, six, zero, uh, five, three, five. That that brought us to week 16 where he had nine for 11, 94 yards and two receiving touchdowns. A huge week, probably his best uh, finish of the year. But I felt like his his numbers were really held up through that first handful of games. He's certainly someone that I want to get at value because the public is absolutely sleeping on Higby. But I do still prefer some of these other weapons. Van Jefferson, Puka Nakua. Don't think that Ben Skoranek won't get his as well. He's going to get some random touches in this offense. You know, if you see a domino fall with an injury to any one of those players, including Cooper Cup, we've already seen him dealing with, uh, I believe, some hamstring issues early on in camp. I think that that will definitely propel his value. But I think in a lot of single QB leagues, I think you're going to see him go in like the last three rounds. You know, I think he's an immense value. Um, So I don't feel the need to rank him this high. Obviously, I have him at a tight end one, but he does fall behind, you know, another two players, at least for me, as far as priority, because I think that those guys have considerable breakout opportunities. And again, like I like Higby, I like the opportunity, but I felt like his numbers last year were very top heavy. They were really held up through that first five to six games. And guess what? Those two, those two tight ends that you're referring to, that you have them, that uh, that you are have ahead of them, mm-hmm. I buried them in these rankings. Just so you <laughs> no know worries, hey, no worries. It's a it's a volatile position, like we've said. Like you know, you could go any which direction here. You know, honestly, I, I feel like people at this point, per training camp hype, news media, etc., you could have Sam Laporta in this conversation hey, right here. I'll you know have what I mean? You know that- this is the only show that this is this is the first quote of the this is an original quote that you won't ever find in any other podcast ever again. The most excited I am to talk about a player this season is Dalton or this episode is Dalton Schultz because I have some fun stats for you. I know you have him as your tight end 10 and I can't wait yep. to throw some amazing contract stats at you. Yeah, you oh, should have seen my you should have seen my tweet before I came yeah. on. I Fun fact. No, he's he's not doing it for the money. He's a passionate guy, all right? He, Fun he's fact. doing it. I don't know how many have already been cut, but there are 40 tight ends in the NFL this season set to make a higher have a higher annual salary on their contract. It's than fair. It's a fair argument. It's a fair argument. But More uh, than one what about per what, team. what about running backs not making any money? <laughs> what about the, what about them? What 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 about what about Barkley uh, only making 11 million a year? completely undervalued oh boy he doesn't have a good agent i mean we're not drafting agents 
John Oliver is making like six times what he's making, but is that alas, his agent? We'll, I have no alas, idea. Who his I, won't, agent is. I won't use them all. We'll, we'll save them for Dalton Schultz. But Pat Fryermuth right. is our next tight end at eleven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Pat Fryermuth, he he has a lot of intangibles. Does a lot of things well. Chain moving tight end. I think the off. I really like the Kenny Pickett offense this season, and I still have him as a tight end one. It's just the fact that I think once again, I always think. I always tend to lean toward the more talented receivers. That's where you want to put the ball. Mm-hmm. I think Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris are going to get plenty of looks. Yep. I think. And it's tough for me. Pat Fryermuth not been a red zone target so far. Of course, Kenny Pickett threw seven touchdowns last year. Not many, tu- not many <laughs> touchdowns to catch exactly. But Pat Fryermuth, somebody I'm just not super excited about just because once again, one of those tight ends, you know, and I feel, you know, we're always talking, I feel like I'm talking about the role in their offense a lot. And that's because a lot of these guys do rank really close. Like you said, so the tight ends Mm -hmm. eight through 16 on this list, it is more about situation because they all have enough wiggle room. It's probably going to be within one fantasy point per game. All these guys. I I like Fryermuth in the sense of the player. I don't like the situation for him. I think that down the stretch last year, we clearly saw that this team favored running the ball more than passing it, and it worked for them. They were able to win a, a, you know the second half of their their stretch, and there were just weeks where Fryermuth disappeared, and I feel like he doesn't have as safe a floor as he did in his rookie season when Ben Roethlisberger was throwing him the ball, and he had seven receiving touchdowns. He went down to two last year. I do look at Kenny Pickett as a breakout potential quarterback, but again, similar to Dan Jones, like how far can we really progress past seven passing touchdowns like can we get to 20 can we get to 25 i'm optimistic that we can but even in that sense like if that's happening wouldn't we believe that it would be maybe to Najee harris or to uh, george pickens or deontay johnson deontay johnson's been a huge target hog we've been banging the drum for him all summer you know he's he's what top five the last five seasons for most targets at the wide receiver position i just have to believe that if all of these guys are healthy that he's not going to command a huge share of the offense Whereas Dalton Schultz, I have well well ahead of him, I think will command a much larger um, target share, much more volume and safer touchdown floor as he's shown us that the ability to acquire those numbers in at least three straight seasons. That That's where I'm at. You know, I, I think that he's a, 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 an incredible talent, young, athletic, you know, can definitely be a big target in the red zone. But I just don't see that this offense is going to prioritize him as far as total volume and as far as, you know, just attacking their defenses, right? Just uh, attacking the opposing team. I think that they're going to run the ball a lot more than people believe. I think it's going to be a big Najee and Jalen uh, Warren season. Greg Dulcich is up, rounds out the top 12 tight ends. You know, this is, I can't think of a player with a higher ceiling and lower floor. <laughs> the, you know, the fantasy, unfortunately, the fantasy football player you know community is riddled with players that have had just short windows of production like that although it is encouraging to see like when he was injured the first six games last season the Mm -hmm. denver broncos immediately threw him into the lead tight end role the first game back so they they knew who their best tight end was greg you know greg dulcich had some strong games down the stretch last year faded a bit those last final couple good athlete you know he had Immediate, you know, people were hyping him up immediately when he was drafted in the third round of the NFL draft last season. Mm-hmm. I have him right in li- line about with ADP here. He's a, he's a tight end, I believe, one in my rankings as well. I think this offense is going to be a lot better under Sean Payton. 
I think it's likely, you know, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, one of them, both of them are going to be missing some time as well. I think Greg Dulcich has an opportunity. Like I said, it's just, you know, there's a world where I could see another tight end, you know, just because we see co- change in coaching staff, you know, with these mm-hmm. different players, it's hard, you know, sometimes another player emerges into that role. So, and I know Adam Troutman and some other guys signed, not that I think that they're an immediate threat, but you never know, do know. So what's your thoughts on Greg Dulcich this season? Uh, Sean Payton's banging that drum for sure. He's been loving Dolchich. Been call- comparing him to the Taysom Hill and Jimmy Graham in, in recent reports. Just uh, the, the different ways that they can use him. The way that he's been impressed with his play in practice and in training camp. I think it's a nice situation to buy into. But again, I think they're they're, they're going to run the ball a lot. Sean Payton loves to run the ball. If Javante Williams is healthy, he's going to get his. Samaj P. Ryan's going to play a, a significant role. And then he's still even now with the Tim Patrick injury. He's going to have to, you know, share passing touches with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, who's also been, you know, having fans and media raving in training camp. You know, fool me once, fool me twice. Hopefully he doesn't do it again. Uh, But I do think that it's more of a middled situation with just 10 games played. He finished as tight end 29. I don't think that's terrible. But at the same time, the guys I have ahead of him, I think. I'm willing to buy at their ADP or maybe even a smidge ahead of their ADP. Dulcich, I'm looking to get at his ADP or well after. And I do have to give us a callback because you said I couldn't do it, Emerson. You said that I couldn't trade a third-round pick for Greg Dulcich. It had to be a second. I was able to get it done. I had to throw in Irv Smith Jr. too, but I don't feel like that's an immense cost. I told you, if you start with a third, you can finish with a third. You might have to sprinkle something on there. But you can finish with a third, and that's exactly what I did. Very nice. I I do commend you working out. It seems like you always have a savvy trade. It's true that it's you always wrong. come to do it, and I I feel you know it's easy to do. I feel like you know if you have a couple suckers in your league, it's the leagues where you're playing <laughs> with all the sharpshooters <laughs> that it becomes tough. Yeah, that Devonta Smith for for Joe Mixon was uh yeah yeah we 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 put that on the highlight reel for sure. <laughs> up next here we have your guy Chigo Conquo. break me down sell me on Chigo Chiggy. Conquo. i'm nervous about the tennessee offense let's get chiggy with it again like obviously you don't like seeing deandre hopkins there if you're a chig truther but again you know finishing at tight end 25 last season with very little time played actually ahead ahead of dulcich with uh with 17 games played but he really wasn't getting involved until the second half of the season i want to say from like week 12 on um you know andrew rob my co-host on the best ball show huge truther huge truther i uh, certainly have a high exposure to chig and best ball been drafting teams all summer well prior to the hopkins signing and this isn't a team that's going to pass the ball a ton but i do believe that unloading the box is going to help chig just as well as it's going to help derrick henry and the presence of DeAndre Hopkins is absolutely going to do that. So Derrick Henry faced a loaded box on 38% of his carries last year. That's a career high. And it's been about 34% on average through the past five seasons. Clearing up that box also helps Chigakonkwa, who does a fair amount of blocking at 6'3", 238 pounds. So being able to free up that box as well, I feel, is going to help him and create easier targets in the middle of the field. I'm not expecting a double or double-digit touchdown season, but I am expecting potentially anywhere from 50 to 60 catches and anywhere from five to six receiving touchdowns because I think when you do get down to the scoring zone, you're a little bit more limited on options, and I don't believe that Tannehill is going to just absolutely rocket the ball to DeAndre Hopkins with a high volume. 
I think that the touches are going to be very middled in this core of receivers between Hopkins, Chig, and Traylon Burks, who has also just been blowing our minds per training camp, just been making some absolutely nasty and ridiculous plays. I think Chig's going to be up there as well. I just think that you're getting him at a little bit better value right now because of the Hopkins signing, and I'm willing to buy that dip. Again, someone that I was willing to spend on a little bit ahead of ADP, and now I'll take the the bit of the discount that I'm getting. Because, again, he wasn't a factor in the first half of the season. He was barely getting any touches, if any. Still a healthy, might as well have been a healthy scratch, but I feel like he's going to be an impactful player on this roster this year. And, again, someone that I'll take the discount on, given the situation. I have him more as a – it's you know it's, he's about a fringe starter here. I have him more as a streamer, more as a mid-tight end, too. Mm-hmm. Mainly due to the fact I did like, you know, he's very athletic, but just like you were talking about with George Cato, he's not going to be out there with blocking plays. He's very small. And it's tough for me to see Ryan Tannehill supporting multiple fantasy relevant receivers. I think it's going to be Chig's going to have his couple weeks this year. He's going to, you know, the weeks that he scores touchdowns are going to be the weeks, of mm-hmm. course, that you wanted to start him. However, I don't see him probably being fantasy relevant outside of those weeks. So what does that mean? The five or six weeks you're going to want to be streaming him, you know, paying attention to the matchup. If Traylon Burks is looking good, that's going to be trouble for Chick, I think. If it, you know, Derrick Henry, of course, is going to receive the lion's share of the offense, and then it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins probably receiving the bulk of the targets. Traylon Burks, I just don't know what's going to be left for Chick. And, you know, he's. I know we're getting in. There's everybody we can pretty much everybody on this list we can say is probably a streaming candidate at this point, but I definitely yeah. have Chig a few spots lower. I think given ADP, like the names that we've already discussed, you should easily be getting Chig as like a two or a three potentially if you're going like tight end heavy. But I think in like tight end premium leagues, he's going to be a very good asset as your tight end two on your roster. I don't recommend going into your draft and prioritizing him as like your first tight end, you've really faded the position if that's the case. But again, because of what's going on right now, I'm thinking that you're getting him at a much better discount and you won't have to pay a premium price, especially if you were drafting like, you know, redraft teams a month ago or three weeks ago. That's a very, very good point. And with that, we'll jump into a guy that I have a couple spots ahead here. That's Cole Komet. Cole Komet, tell, you know, tell me about your guy. I, I'm excited to see about what Justin Fields works with last season. He had some touchdown upside. And, I'm yeah, I'm very excited to see what Cole Komet can do. I think with the breakout, we, we were a little too early last season. People were mm-hmm. That's what people were predicting. And I think that 2023 could actually be the year. Justin Fields is going to take a step forward as a passer. I hope so, at least, where maybe we're going to see upwards more than 25 pass attempts at least. What, what's your thoughts? I mean, I, I love Cole Komet. I, I think he should be in your top five if we're talking tight end money. Uh, but sadly, I think that, you know, Dalton Schultz, again, will probably finish finish with more targets, more catches, I don't, touchdowns. It could be anywhere up in the air. But I think that he's just in a boom or bust category. Um, you know, looking back to last season, he had a terrible start. Uh, he had, what, two targets through the first two weeks. So he really came on strong to finish the season, you know, when Justin Fields was able to really unleash himself, but he just still falls in that boom or bust category for me. They're still going to run the ball a lot. There's still a lot of weapons there. DJ Moore coming there obviously is going to devalue his target share. I think Chase Claypool being there for a full season is also going to do the same. They invested a ton in both of those guys. Chase, Chase Claypool is dead. 
He is okay. dead. Okay. Okay. One of my uh, in the, in the okay. backyard. Okay. All right. Per the media. I mean, like, yeah, if, if uh, the media dictated how players were used, how many snaps they played, if they were good at blocking or not good at blocking, I guess so. I mean, who are you going to have on, on the field for blocking downs? Darnell Mooney, DJ Moore, or Chase Claypool? Who, who do you want to use? I mean, I we'll, guess we'll, you let, we'll let you play. Are, are you just going to tell people you're going to run? Are you just going to be telling people you're going to run the ball because well, Chase no, he's, can't he do won't be else? the only guy out there. Obviously, you're going to have him mixed in, but he's going to play a lot of downs. He's going to play a lot of snaps. They invested a lot in Chase Claypool. They're not just leaving him on the sideline to do nothing. Yeah, there was some bad he's reports. Going to be the tart, the number four target in a low volume pass. Wow, yeah, absolutely. four, four. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that. The media doesn't pick my fantasy team for me. I, I like to dive in a little bit more into the opportunities. And, you know, you're you're the draft capital guy. You're you're the one that convinces me oh. to look far more into that than I have in the past. So giving years. up. It's been a what, few pick, years. It's been a few years. Pick it's, 32. We just gave up a, the first over the the last pick of the first left. round or the first pick of the second. I can't remember what it was for. Him. That was a horrible, horrible decision. So that, that, that was, that was I, didn't, bad, I didn't make the trade. trade. They did. I'm reading what the team is doing, not what the media is saying. Anyways, back to Cole Komet. The situation is good, but what you had just mentioned, like there's a bevy of targets there, right? Even if he's third in line, what does that make him? It, it makes him very similar to these other guys that we're talking about. And there are still a few other tight ends. Even Chig, I feel like could have more targets than Cole Komet this season. So it's, it's a fun argument to have for sure. I mean, as a Bears fan, I want him to take an elite step forward. I just think that the offense is very deep this year, and it's going to be hard for him to bring home high-volume numbers while competing next to Chase Claypool. Bada big. <laughs> All right. We are going to be talking next about the 550th highest-played player in the NFL. That Played is Dalton paid. Schultz. Dalton Schultz, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to tell you, Justin, the NFL thinks just Dalton Schultz sucks stinks. at football. They, they think, think he, he sucks at football. I'm just letting you know that they think Josh think... Oliver is better than Dalton Schultz. I wonder. I wonder if he'll play with like his uh, his check stub and his helmet or something like that. That would be <laughs> cool. Uh, I I don't know, man. I like players with like safe floors. Tight end eleven. Tight end what three? Tight end twelve. His it's last three seasons, it's a different world. CJ Stroud is going to be a different world. I promise you. He's going to push the ball down the field. He's just going to take risks on every throw. He's not going to throw to low eight players a, they, like they, Dalton they, Schultz. The rookie quarterbacks, they have all these stats that show they don't just check down like you think they would. Like you think he's that would be listen. He's a, he's a he's a low A dot player. I'm not saying that he has to check down, but he is a safer completion inside and out. He can, he's more of a receiver than he is a tight end. And I feel that his skill set is just as comparable to what you're going to get out of Nico Collins, out of any of those depth receivers, whether it's Robert Woods, Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson, so on and so forth. I think the team runs the ball a lot and uses Dalton Schultz quite a bit. He's a guy that I can easily see leaving each week six to eight targets. I, I just don't think that there's a significant argument against that. Dalton Schultz set to make a $1.5 million base salary this season. That would that would rank 16th among punters this season. <laughs> this season, ladies and gentlemen. That's good. That's good. I like that. I like that. Um, again, <laughs> it just it's just a safe floor. I mean, I don't know why he didn't make more money. I, do you know why he's, he's not making more money? 
I would have said, hey, man, look at these numbers. Like, I'm like a pretty good tight end. I don't know who his agent is, but I, I just don't get it. Bring it in, Wavy. Give us the trade. We're here we'll, for it. We'll, We're here for we'll, it. We'll answer it for you. We're going to dive into the another tight end first, though. Dalton Be a Dalton, Schultz trade. Be a Dalton Schultz trade. Be a Dalton Schultz trade. <laughs> I hope Dalton Kincaid. How did this happen? No. Dal I, Dalton Where's Kincaid. the flag? Where's the flag? Number 16. Yes. Ha! Dalton Kincaid. No. No. Draft capital. Oh there it is again. Draft oh, capital, no. No. Here we go. No. Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills are going to be using their first round tight end this season. I see him. I think he's going to have some big weeks. I think you're going to be, by the end of the season, he's going to be in that streaming conversation, tight end that you're going to be wanting to play based on the matchup. Josh Allen says there is no moment that Dalton Kincaid isn't big enough for. <laughs> what does that mean? What is that? <laughs> so insert, hey, Josh Allen said some cliche. stuff about this guy. Draft in, him now. Insert cliche here. But oh yes, my I'm, ex I'm excited about the town. Give me the first round tie. Might as well take I'm, the boomer bust. I am taking Sam Laporta every day, all day no, over Dalton Kincaid no. this season. I have them close. I have them close. I have Sam Laporta one spot ahead. The argument for Kincaid is there's no one overwhelmingly that good behind Stefan Diggs. I like Gabe Davis as a field breaker. But again, if you're looking for like that safer, low A dot type of receiver and or tight end, Dalton Kincaid kind of fits that Dalton Schultz mold. Would you agree? I, 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 I'm not I, saying he's the same Kincaid, guy. Just the mold. Dalton just Kincaid the mold. is such a more adept route runner, such a better Jesus athlete Christ. than Dalton Schultz. It's it's really not comparable. You want to? Do we need to do point. a side bet on his a dot this year on Dalton Kincaid's a dot? I'll oh, take less than eight. I'll like, take less than eight. Dalton Schultz. No, yeah, yeah, sure. Between the two, I was just saying over under. You can take the over. I'll take the under. I, I, you can I'll set the number. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. I'll 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 look at what, what that unreal. Out to, I just but. see a much clearer path for to or for production. Excuse me for Sam Laporta this season, who has no competition, in a in a team that what th had five less points than the Bills last year. The Lions' offense is just as accustomed to scoring now as the Bills are. They were both a high scoring team last year. Me and Andrew got into this argument uh, in our last show about Laporta and Kincaid, and I just see a much clearer path, like I said, for Laporta, who has also been buzzing in camp. I don't know if Jared Goff is like, you know, got a huge boner for him like Josh Allen has for Dalton Kincaid, but he's looking great. He's also looking unstoppable, a la, you know, Darren Waller in his training camp, right? So I like the player. Don't get me wrong. Dalton Kincaid, good tight end, great draft capital, but I feel like this offense is going to be middled behind Stefan Diggs and a strong surging breakout season for James Cook. Those are the two big targets I want in this offense this year. I think Dalton Kincaid falls into that mix, but because he has that draft capital and people are so high on him, I'm I'm seeing him ranked as tight end 12 Emerson for this season. That's too much for me. Obviously, our ranking combined is far more favorable, no, but can you take him at ADP right now? Are you willing to take him as a 12th tight end off the board? Because that's his that's his ADP per fantasy pros right now. Oh, it's Kincaid? Yes, 12. Yeah, tight end 12. I, yeah, that's too high. Like I so said, if I you're have, I so if you're here. in a draft lobby, are you gonna take him when his name's coming up? Because that's how people draft. Like the, the era of the live draft is dead. May it rest in peace. It's my preferred, it's my preference for sure. But now that we're all on Zoom, we're all living all away from each other, people are using online lobbies to draft. 
And Kincaid's number, even if they're not using Fantasy Pros ADP, that's a huge part of the public you know, ranking system. It's going to be in that margin from anywhere from 11 to 14. That's way too rich for me. Far too rich. Laporta, more appropriately priced. All right, we'll jump into Wavy's trade here. Even though it's been, I have pick number five. Yes. Someone offered me yes. his pick, which is number nine in a sixth rounder. What I mean, redraft league. I mean, probably not. I'm no, trying. To, I mean, hang, I'd make. Hang on, I'm, I'm trying to get the two sides of this here. So it's a redraft trade. Does include Schultz, even though he's mad underrated. Preach, Wavy. Preach. Uh, wait a but, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. But. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at here. So I have pick number five. Someone offered me his pick, which is number nine and a sixth rounder. I think we need to see the, the sides a little right, bit more so clearly Schultz, here. I'm going to pretend like what he said about Schultz didn't exist. I don't think that's what he meant to say. So I'm going to say he's he's has the number five pick and somebody wants to move up from number nine and using a sixth rounder. Um, actually, I don't I'm not doing that. I'd probably take that. Who who do you love? At, is there is there a big I think, you know, is there somebody that you love at number five, you wouldn't be able to get at number nine, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill. I, I, I think I think that both of those guys you just named will probably but be you, there. But you can probably get Devontae at. Yeah, did not include Dalton. I figured, okay, I figured okay, that's what okay. you meant. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, I, 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 I like the top five more. I think that there's a bigger drop-off still at nine. You can get Adams or Diggs, I bet, at nine. That's why I'm okay with I don't it, think, getting I, a I don't rounder. think so. I, I don't think so. I think they probably I mean, fall in right after that, like anywhere from five to eight. But then you're going to go, okay, somebody has to be left in Eckler. Then you're going to get Eckler or the RB2 then at number nine. You know, is there going to be eight running backs that go, you know, I mean, eight wide receivers that go in the first nine picks? I like chasing that upside for Hill and, and a Cooper Cup far more. Again, it's they got to fall to you there. For all I know, they could go, you could have Jamar Chase fall to you at five now with with uh, some of the dipping, you know, from the Joe Burrow injury. I'm not, I'm not buying it. I mean, I've gotten Jamar Chase at like pick four in best ball now. Like that's two spots, but you know what I mean? If something like that happens in your lobby, uh, I just think it's too early. You know, I don't know when your draft is, but I feel like we have a lot of movement still. Uh, You know, if like, yeah, for example, if like Cooper Cup was like, oh yeah, he's going to miss two weeks. Sure. By all means, go ahead. That's going to propel Tyree Kill's value. But I I just, I like that pick. I I like that fifth spot Um, moving to nine. uh, Yeah, I, I, I don't like that. All right. Next up on these rankings, uh, Sam Laporta, number 17. But now we are on to Gerald Everett. You did not have him ranked in your top 24 tight ends. I had him all the Mm. way up number 14. I'm Mm. big on Gerald Everett this season. Not that I love the player, but I think this is another situation ship for fantasy managers. Gerald Everett, only four touchdowns last season. You know, highly targeted despite – the disaster that was the Los Angeles offense, missing Rashawn mm-hmm. Slater, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams at times, Justin Herbert, career low in touchdown passes. I expect that them to bounce back the season, and I think Gerald Everett's going to be the recipient. A lot of touchdown passes. Of course, they're going to be throwing the ball down a lot more downfield with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator as well. Yeah, I don't hate the situation for Everett. I just think that there's so many weapons in this offense – Obviously, Eckler is going to have a huge share of it. He has like little to no competition at running back. Uh, Josh Kelly and uh, rookie from last year, who slipping my mind, who was it? Doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't matter. Anyways, are you talking about uh, on the wide receivers? No, on the, on the running backs. It was Josh Kelly, and then it was someone else oh, from last oh, year. Oh, I see a Spiller. Spiller. So yes, yeah. Thank you, CJ Spiller. Yeah. But then you also obviously have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and now Quinton Johnson and Josh Palmer, who was able to get some love last year as well. 
there's just a lot, a lot of mouths to feed. I think, you know what, you're, you're right. He probably deserves to be in the top 24. It's just that I feel like there are so many other opportunities around him. He is more, he's highly ca categorized as a boomer bust tight end. I don't think there's a lot of touchdowns in the fold for him this year. And I don't think that there's a lot of high volume in the fold for him as well. I, I need see an, what you need mean an injury, there. need an injury to Keenan or Mike Williams. And, he, and think, even when we saw that, he really wasn't a huge target uh, hog or anything like that. Thanks for the sub wave. We appreciate that. The, I think that Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are likely to probably miss times at point this season. And I think this is going to be one of the more prolific. I think this is probably one of the most talented offenses in the NFL. This is one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I think Justin Herbert's going to be an MVP candidate. I think there's going to be a lot of fancy points in this offense. Up next, Trey McBride, fantastic sleeper and you're on any draft right now. Yeah. It's rarely I leave a draft without Trey McBride. My favorite tight end in last year's class, 1,100-yard receiving season in college, which is ridiculous for a tight end. Great athlete going into his second season. Mm -hmm. I know the Arizona offense isn't going to be great this season, but in this territory, I think he, he's worth the upside. I think he's going to have some big weeks. What are your thoughts? I like the player a lot. I don't love the situation. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I feel like James Conner is going to get a lot of love until the wheels fall off. Um, he very well could lead the team in targets. I, I have no idea. It's just a very, very questionable situation. When it comes to redraft, I really don't want him on my team as my second tight end. I feel like I can get him as my third. But in a lot of leagues, Emerson, I, I'm not drafting three tight ends. So I do feel like he could be a very early waiver wire darling i think in a lot of le leagues if you're drafting anywhere from like 15 16 17 players kind of these shallower like more casual leagues i don't think he gets drafted to be honest with you there might be some sharps in that lobby or in your league that will prioritize him but he feels like someone who's for who's free that i could potentially get with like my last pick and even in like an 18 17 team league right so i like the player he also still will, still will have Zach Ertz competing with him at some point. I know he's on the pup list now, but you know they traded for him. So they're either going to trade him again to a worthy situation with a team that's maybe chasing a, a playoff run or trying to just, hey, man, you know I know that nothing's going to happen this year for you on this roster. Maybe we can work something out and move you for you know a seventh or sixth round pick or something like that. I, I'm not even sure that's likely to happen. Um, unless you see like a huge injury for another team. But I feel like this position in general has a lot of depth. And so I'm also predicting that move not to happen. So I feel like he's going to be kind of middled on a bad offense that's probably playing for a top five pick. Now in fantasy, that could be a good situation, right? End of the year, he could have a nice stretch of games, but very, very strong consideration for boomer bust. Yeah, I, I, just, I just feel like it's it's very... His highs could be super high. He could have 10 targets a game. He could have two targets a game. I, I don't know what we're going to get out of him. Love the player. Don't love the situation. Juwan Johnson up next for us. Actually, this is a three-way tie. Juwan Johnson, <laughs> Trey McBride, and Hayden I, Hurst. Trey McBride, the I, previous player. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that. Three-way tie here, so I'll throw them all up here. Juwan Johnson, Hayden Hurst. What are your thoughts on their seed? Juwan Johnson obviously gets the contract extension. Right. I don't love, you know, I once when once you're changing court, changing quarterbacks, changing coaches for one of these middling kind of skilled players, I think is always a risk. You know, mm -hmm. he's not. He did get a he did get the nice contract. He'll certainly be the lead tight end in New Orleans. I don't think that'll translate to a significant role though. Much of that touchdown, much of his 
production was touchdown based last season. Derek right. Carr, not much of a touchdown thrower. And of course, Hayden Hurst, rookie quarterback, could be the safety valve that, that we were talking about before, but you'd be surprised how infrequently the rookie quarterbacks do target the tight end. But who else is he going to throw the ball to in Carolina? What's your thoughts mm -hmm. on those two? Hayden Hurst, definitely in that same category with Trey McBride, huge boomer bust candidate. See, that's the thing is like you brought up the contract for Johnson. I feel like, okay, there's a commitment level there, right? This team won't stop signing tight ends. They brought in Foster Moreau, very familiar with Derek Carr. They brought in Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham thought he was done. Thought he was He's gone. Dead. He's he, dude. Go go Moral read what support. they're saying about him on Twitter, man. It is ridiculous. Moral All the Jimmy support. Graham boners that are going around out there. It is ridiculous. Yeah, player, coach, whatever it is. But if he's on the field, are we in trouble here? Like, are we gonna be, are we gonna be screwed out of like a million dollars in best ball mania because this guy crabs like four touchdowns on like thirty targets this year? I'm gonna be real upset about it. Be real. I did draft one share. I got one share. Of Jimmy Graham, last pick. I made. I made it happen. Don't worry. It, it was drafted like as my third tight end on that team. But regardless, like the situation is not looking that good for Juwan Johnson right now with the commitments that they're throwing around at tight end. Didn't even bring up Taysom Hill, who is just the – he is the original joker. I know Jamie was uh, preaching about uh, Sean Payton considering Dolchich that type of joker, Kamara, Sproles, Taysom Hill role, but, like, he is that guy. Throw him anywhere. Receiver, tight end, running back, quarterback. Like, I don't get it. They do. I, I don't understand why it's a thing, but it is. It's just tough to project what Juwan Johnson's going to bring home. I like the talent. I like what I saw last year. He seems like he has sure hands in the red zone. I'll chase that upside at this ADP. I, I have no problem with it. Hayden Hurst, while they both are boomer bust, I will say, like they're going to be touchdown dependent players. He feels lower on the safety on the safety volume for sure. That offense has a more more weapons than I think that we want to believe. DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, they drafted um, uh, Jonathan Mingo. They have Hurst. They have you know a couple of running backs in Miles Sanders and Chubba Hubbard. And Bryce Hill or Bryce Hill, Bryce Young will probably run the ball a fair amount, right? He's he's going to use his legs at some point. I just don't see him having a ton of high volume. I think he could be a decent bye week tight end, or you know, worst case, you're in like a 16 team league, and he might be able to give you value. Hayden Hurst is going to be on the waiver wire in the majority of casual redraft leagues come the start of September. That's my firm belief. All right. Next is a player you did, I did not have in my top 24, but I could certainly see him finishing that way. Tyler Conklin. I just am a little bit muddied about. I know he's the, leading the tight end room at the moment. Just not a guy who mm -hmm. I you know see as a player who's likely surely going to hang on to that. But you know, there's always a little bit of volatility I think, for a player like Tyler Conklin. So, But mm -hmm. we've seen Robert Tanyan, another middling, talented player, similar to Robert Tanyan, who might say be very successful with Aaron Rodgers. Right. <clears throat> why is Ter you have in my but I think about tight end 16 that's still ahead of consensus why is he set up for success this year oh uh, he's actually finished as tight end 16 in back-to-back -back seasons oddly okay. enough there you um, go. yeah so I mean getting him at his current ADP I think is I'm gonna call it a steal I mean I, he is my highest exposed tight end right now through 110 drafts on uh, best ball mania so I have a lot of confidence in him and he's getting the most one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the history of the NFL I think this is just another situation where it's a vacuum for scoring points, and he has the opportunity to clean up anywhere from five to seven receiving touchdowns and maybe a plethora of spike weeks. He is certainly a tight end that I feel comfortable coming onto my roster as my second tight end drafted because I like the situation. If you look at his numbers, he was far better 
without Zach Wilson in the lineup last season. His first handful of games, uh, four for seven and a touchdown, six for nine, 40 receiving yards, eight for eight, 84 receiving yards, and then three for five uh, for 52 uh, receiving yards. After that, they just dumped him. I mean, he was done. I mean, and it was mostly on the back of Zach Wilson uh, coming in and taking over. I just feel that Aaron Rodgers can propel him potentially ahead of the, those last two finishes these past uh, two seasons, ahead of tight end 16. So I see him as an immense value uh, coming coming into this year. I think that he should be drafted in you know all redraft formats, whether it be you know one of these like 15 or 16 team leagues, 20 to 24, whatever it is. I, I have a high outlook and uh, how high outlook for him this year. Uh, Jamie's mentioned this on one of my other shows. You should definitely consider Ruckert for Dynasty. I'm all about that. That that's no problem. Uh, I just think that for this specific season, best ball redraft type of formats, I think Conklin's going to have a presence more than people want to want to buy in on. Next, I am not. I am higher on consensus on not one but two Buffalo Bills tight ends. I'm dragging Dawson Knox into these rankings at tight end 23, but I have you him can't higher. have it both ways. You can't have so it both I, ways. I want it both ways. I have it both ways. I think there's room. I think we're going to see two tight end sets this year. I think we are going to see them both be fantasy relevant. I think we're going to see even Dalton and Cade splitting out wide a little bit. I'm excited. Dawson Knox got a big contract this year. They're going to want to use him too. And I, I'm i not too intimidated by Gabe Davis, but I think all of these guys can be successful at their ADPs. We're not giving Josh Allen enough credit for being a prolific passer. who's going to have multiple fantasy relevant receivers. I think struggled with injury last season, but I'm looking forward to this season for the Buffalo Bills offense. Appreciate Sam here in, in the chat, you know, shouting us out. Great channel. We do not have any female co-hosts. You know, maybe maybe we'll work on that this uh, this upcoming season. Uh, just a bunch of you know basic ass white dudes, you know, dude, rocking headbands and it's, riding it's riding bikes for uh, best ball drafts and whatnot. You know, we try to have fun, keeping it cool while keeping it real. Um, back to Dawson Knox, you punk. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're making my Dalton Kincaid point for me. How many other teams here do we have two tight ends on this list? Come on. Sam Laporta um, over Dalton Kincaid. Bang the table, Emerson. Nope, Sam Laporta over Dalton Kincaid. You're killing I think me. I might, hey, I think I might have Dawson Knox ahead of Sam Laporta. That's that's anti-religious. Stop no, it. No, I'm Stop just it. kidding. Stop that's it. not true. So Dalton. No, I do. I do. I do. Yes, that's yes. Stop yes. it. Stop it. Dawson yes. Knox is the reason that I don't have Kincaid ahead of a guy like Laporta or those other players. Or no, I mean, I would still have Kincaid over Everett, McBride, Juwan, Hayden Hurst. I, I would have him ahead of that because of the situation. Again, similar to Laporta, it's a situation where you're in a high-scoring offense. Someone's got to have spike, week, spike weeks, all right? He has opportunities for those like two, big two-touchdown games, but a better best ball draft pick than he is a redraft uh, draft pick. I have zero shares of Dalton Kincaid in comparison, and I'm saying that's a better scenario to draft him. Dawson Knox, he's going to have, have some spike weeks. I don't want him on my team as my second tight end. I think that again, he might be a waiver wire darling again, Dalton Kincaid going at tight end 12. Like that's the market. That's what the public is saying. His value is that's in a complete overreaction to his draft capital. I like Dawson Knox so much that I bring Kincaid much farther back. I'm okay with this, but I would still have Knox outside of my top 24. I'm not even done with the players that I have ranked ahead of Sam Laporta as yes. I still have Michael You're going to be a ranked. bald man. You are going to be a bald man this year. I'm sorry. I, I have 
Michael Mayer still ranked ahead of Sam Laporta for 2023. Ouch. I that's some I, that's some Austin Hooper disrespect right there, friend. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> Michael Mayer is the most pro-ready tight end in this draft class. This <clears throat> might be the most. This Michael Mayer I'm a, has I'm a Notre an, Dame snob, so you're preaching to the choir here. I have no Michael problem with Mayer Michael Mayer. Has an argument to be the most the best college tight end of all time. Over 800 yards the last two seasons at Notre Dame, a huge school. Every other player with his kind of dominated rating in college production plays for North Dakota State University of Wyoming, the Wyoming campus. You Was that Trey I mean? McBride? It, it, it might as well be. He played at Colorado State, a slightly larger Oh, school, okay. But. Okay, my bad. My bad. But these are all these random schools that these played for. Michael Mayer did this at a huge college. Not a great mm. athlete, but set up to be – a leading target and get immediate playing time for the Oakland Raiders. Also he's not, tied with, he's not a leading target. Devonte Adams is a leading target. Of course. But I said a leading target, a, like a leading cast member. It doesn't have to be the leading uh, cast member, man. a leading cast member. Okay. Also, Mike Jacecki also is tied in here. A guy who was top five in slot snaps three years in a row, finishes a top 12 tight end. Finishes mm-hmm. number 16 in slot snaps last year and yep. fell off the face of the earth's fan production, it's, not used correctly. Exactly. What do you think? Exactly. What do you think he's what do you think about his prospects in the New England offense? Another immense value per the situation. I am fading Hunter Henry. He had a nice season a couple of years ago, but he was super touchdown dependent. I believe he went from nine uh, in 2021 down to two receiving touchdowns in tw- or I'm, I'm sorry, in 2021 to 2022, he regressed by seven touchdowns tr- trying to get that out correctly. Even Gasecki last year had five in an offense where he wasn't prioritized at all. The prior three seasons, tight end nine, tight end seven, tight end 12, because he gets that type of friendly low a dot slot tight end type of usage. We've seen Bill Belichick do that a lot with the tight end position. So I'm very excited about him this upcoming season. With that, we'll wrap it up here. Oh, let's they, get the let's get some of the questions here. We got uh, we got Wavy saying I, I he's keeping the draft pick. Uh, they can't wait. Appreciate the help. No problem. I'll just bring up the chat. And that's all before we head out. It's been a good show. Want to recognize them. Appreciate everybody in here riding with us. If you haven't already, be sure to smash the subscribe button, the follow button. You know, smash the like button as well. Follow us on Spotify and Apple. We got Sam saying. Uh, what can be a reasonably objectable statement as it relates to the NFC East Conference this upcoming season? Who can confirm the fact that the Ravens will have the biggest bandwagon following? I'm not really sure. Uh, I live in Maryland. Uh, it's a very split uh, atmosphere between the Commandos and the Ravens, um, all things being said. Kelsey went third, he said. Interesting, interesting. That means you're definitely going to get some value. Picked Hill fifth. There we go. So he was doing this live. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to give you some actionable advice like right on the show here, right on the spot for your draft. I think you'll agree that was a smart hold then, right, Emerson? I mean, I thought that Hill would be available there. And I, like I said, I, I'm just, I think the Adams, Diggs, and Lamb tier is fairly close to Hill. I, I don't mind, I don't mind it either way. I thought it was pretty fair trade. No, I mean, I, I'm just wondering what he would have made up with that though, with an extra pick in the sixth round. You know, like yeah, extra starter depends on the how many starters you lit. You know, I wouldn't do it if it was two running backs, two wide receivers, but you got a lot of flex spots in there. I think it's something to consider. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good stuff, though. Either way, great show. Appreciate everybody coming and riding with us. Thanks a lot, everybody.
appreciate it. We'll be back. Discuss, you know, we've been cranking out these rankings the last month, but I'll be back with a brand new topic next Sunday. Thank you so much, everyone, mm-hmm. and have a great rest of your week. Football season is very close, everybody. Have a great oh, rest of your week. Enjoy back. the work week. <laughs>